Ladies and gentlemen, this is FM 91. W-E-G-L, Auburn. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student radio. Since 1971, I'm your host, Jack Hardorn, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, and we'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world. However, you may be joining us today, whether that be through your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com or by tuning in after the fact on Transistor.fm or Eagle Eye TV or listening to our podcast. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And now, of course, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin WEGL studios here in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where right now it's 57 degrees and sunny on this fine Thursday morning, welcoming you into Compact Discourse. We wish you a most sincere buenos dias, good morgan, bon matine, or a good old-fashioned American good old good morning as we get on with the show. Davis, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. I slept through my alarms, almost got here late again. I think I need to fix that issue, but you know I'm here. You gotta physically separate the uh, alarms. It wasn't. I didn't even sleep sleep through my alarms. I w- I like wake them up. I'd wake up. I look at them and I turn them off. I'd be like, I'm gonna be. I'll wake back up fine. Classic. And then you know, Classic. I guess I didn't have an alarm set for seven ten because I woke up at seven twenty. Had to get up quick. You know, a sleep you is sneaky and it tries to trick awake you. It almost got me today. He's awake very, me fought had a had a, a battle in the dream. He's very sneaky. I was having dreams about the Spider Man trailer last night. Oh really? I was. Spider-Man trailer? The the new one that came out? Yes, I saw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, in the dream last night, I remember, like, it was basically the regular trailer, except a few things changed. Like, Doctor Strange just looks at the camera and goes, I'm Mephisto, Peter. And I was like, whoa! In my dream, I was freaking out. I was like, I can't believe they just came out with that. Which is, Mephisto is like the devil in the Marvel Universe. And everybody's been theorizing that... Doctor Strange isn't going to be Doctor Strange. Not that you know, but who home I've heard, care. I've heard talk about that. <clears throat> I've heard that Doctor Strange isn't Doctor Strange. And I, in my dream, I remember I reacted to that. But then I had like another dream, and you were in it. I just remember you were there. I don't know what you did though, and I cannot remember what anybody else did besides the fact they were in it. Those are the best dreams. It was a weird one. I just remember it was weird, and I remember some people that were in it. Mm. I heard Spider-Man was there. Spider-Man might have been there. He might have been, given your other dream. All right, at this point, I would like to remind our audience that if at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask us a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you would like to correct us, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. You can also shoot us a tweet at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter. And I would love to get back to you about anything that you have to say about now, today, tomorrow, the future, the past, the present, anything in between. We'd love to hear from you here on Robert's only drive time student run morning show. It is uh, six minutes past the top of the hour here in Auburn, Alabama. So with that, we will jump right into things. Uh, We got some interesting stuff coming up on the show today, including we got Maction to talk about. Maction was in action last night uh, as a bunch of teams from the Midwest played each other in college football, taking a look at the scores from those games. 
uh, here they are. You had Toledo defeat Ohio. Samuel, that, you? that was Samuel L. Jackson on an ad on my computer. <laughs> I thought that was my computer. It was the Samuel L. Jackson John Travolta commercial. I haven't it's, seen that it's, one. It's back. It, you probably saw it last year. John Travolta's Santa Claus. I've not seen that. Classic. Interesting. All right. Well, never mind. Toledo did defeat Ohio by a final score of 35 to 23 to improve to 6 and 5. Uh, Western Michigan lost to Eastern Michigan by just one point. So that's a big rivalry game that came right down to the wire in the Wolverine State. And then Miami of Ohio defeated Bowling Green 34-7. to And then last night you had Northern Illinois defeat Buffalo in overtime 33-27. to And Central Michigan all over Ball State 37-17. to So you had 10 different MAC teams in action on these midweek games, taking a look at the max standings after that match concluded. You've got Miami of Ohio leading the Eastern Conference with a 5-2 and two conference record, and you've got Northern Illinois leading the Western side of the conference with a 6-1 and one record. So, should be an interesting game in Detroit come the end of the year, and shout out to Maction for keeping us entertained throughout the week. It's nice to have a football every day of the week. Do you think the person that came up with Maxion got a raise? I don't know if it's official. You I'm being honest whoa, with you. Oh, really? I don't. ESPN might have might have grabbed the hashtag. You know, they do hashtag to the house when it's a touchdown mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They might have grabbed hashtag Maxion, but interesting. CBS Sports uses it in article names. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing that. A lot of Action Network uses it very frequently. I yeah, I don't. Mid American Conference doesn't have anything about there's it. There's a verified Twitter account called hashtag Maction. Hmm. Yeah, the official Twitter home of Mid American Conference. Okay, so maybe they they changed their. Okay, no, they're in on it. Oh, what do you think the 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 chicken came before the egg there? I feel like the community came up with Maction and and. Yeah, I'm not gonna give that much credit to a. I don't think you can't. You a can't dusty come up, old school. You can't come up with that in the boardroom. Sadly. That's true. Uh, just imagine their their things. I can't imagine any goofy ones right now, but I imagine they were very goofy and corporate. Yeah. Or they just didn't have anything for them because they were... Mid-American fun! Oh, my goodness. The fun belt. Oh, that's something else. That already exists. Um, yeah. So, Maxion was in full effect this week. So, I mean, that's that. I mean, it's football every day of the week. You can't, you can't complain about that. And uh, Northern Illinois, with that victory, did secure the Western Division, so they will be playing in Detroit at the end of the year. So, exciting times over in the middle of America, if you will. Boom. I like this Twitter account. It's very funny. There's a Curb Your Enthusiasm reference. That is run by the MAC Conference? I don't know who it's run by, but it is the official Twitter home of the Mid-American Conference, bringing you hashtag MACTION 365 days a year. That's at MACSports on... uh, on Twitter. I'm going to retweet the Curb Your Enthusiasm reference. Is it a good one? Not really, but at least they're trying. How much of Curb Your Enthusiasm have you watched? Uh, There's a lot of it. I have not seen a ton of it. Maybe seven episodes all the way through, inclu- from different eras, like uh, 
I really like the one where where Larry David goes to the Lakers game and trips Shaq, and then he gets injured. And uh, but I've also seen the the recent well, the the season that came out when I was a freshman, so 2017. That new season that came out, I watched a few episodes of that one, and I've also watched some old ones. So I enjoy it. Um, I kind of want to watch it. It's no Seinfeld, but it is a it is a pretty uh, you 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 can see you can see the strokes. Larry David did write Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, one of the writers. Of uh, many. Yeah, here's a uh, here's another piece of news that interestingly dropped over uh, this past week. I think yesterday uh, is that UCF now has a new logo, the uh, the Knight logo that they have uh, as a secondary logo of the Knight looking at you from the side has now turned his head a little bit and he is looking at you straight on. So interesting mid-season change for the UCF Knights. Interesting. I kind of like the other one. I like the other one. I don't this, mind that one as that much though. This one might be a little I mean it's it's obviously it's it's uh it's not quite too minimal to where it's no longer good, but it is suffering from a little bit from the minimalism bug. I'm and, glad you agree. I'm not a big fan of the minimalism wave. But uh UCF uh, Athletics revealed its updated secondary logo on Wednesday intru- introducing a new look to the brand. As the university prepares to enter a new era of UCF athletics in the Big 12 Conference, it is a culmination of a six-month process to bring the new Nighthead logo to life. Um, yeah, so it's uh, designed to be more expressive with a straight-on aggressive stare and new intimidating eyes. Man, it, to work in PR, what a, what a crazy job that is. Think it's hard. Have to explain how scary this piece of paper is to people. You, would you be intimidated if you were a kid and you saw that? Because I feel like the only person that's gonna be scared by that's a kid, or like my mom. Okay, looking at the old one, the old one does look kind of silly. Oh, he looks so he looks so cute. He looks chubby. He looks like the the Black Knight from Scooby Doo Two. And when he gets kicked in the, you know, yeah, and he yeah. goes, ooh, exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what this knight looks like. So this new one, okay, I will grant it does look scarier. I like the other. The other one has a charm to it now. He, he, I, looks, he looks less silly. Yeah, this one looks like a like a fat knight. Yeah, <laughs> he, like they they have a version of it where it's on the head, like the head's on a body, and that looks fine. But somehow, when you remove the uh, the body from the head, he just looks like a chubby knight, like a little gumdrop head. <laughs> I wish they didn't get rid of the other one now. It looks so cute. It's so endearing. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I completely forgot UCF was going to the Big 12. So, at least that reminded me of that. I didn't even know that. So, uh, conference realignment continues to be one of our major topics here on the show, even if we did not intend for it to be. During the break, I'm going to put the old and new UCF logos on the screen so you can see them. If you would like to uh, check out our video live stream over on the YouTube, that's YouTube, WEGL911. Just look for the one that's live right now, or you can watch our entire back catalog of live streams, including some hockey games. So just something. If you got some, if you got some time to kill, and I know you will, coming up with this week off from school. So enjoy that. And with that, we are going to head to a quick break. When we return, the college football discussion will continue. Uh, uniform factors coming up later on in the show today and plenty of other exciting things. We'll be talking about Thanksgiving. Uh, favorite sides, favorite mains, favorite desserts, and a whole lot more as it is, you know, the most wonderful time of the year as the holiday season gets kicked off 
just a few days with uh, schools out for Thanksgiving, and we will be enjoying every minute of it. We'll be back in just a little bit to discuss all that and more in a few minutes, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. I got it. That's the guy from Big. Tom Hanks, that's it. Ah, oh, funny guy, Tom Hanks. Everything he says is a stitch. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, and now joined by Alex Houston as well, welcoming you into the show on a lovely Thursday morning. Final show of Compact Discourse where we have to take a week off next week, but we shall be returning week after that with another exciting week of shows here on the Big 91, WEGL 91.1 FM, before we have to take a break over the winter and return in January. But we're just going to enjoy the moments while we still can and jump right back into the show. Alex, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Looking forward to getting to Thanksgiving break. Only like two days away now. Two days away now. Basically, if you don't even count today, it's tomorrow. Yes. If you don't have class tomorrow, it's basically already started. So... That's where I am at right now. Uh, if you're watching on our YouTube live stream, I have added the UCF logos to the fourth box as a little bit of a visual aid comparing the old one and the new one. The old one is the one at an angle. The new one is the one that's looking straight ahead. Um, as you can see, minor differences um, seem to be inspired by the same thing, though. So it looks it's a bit cleaner. It's a good look for the future, I think. It'll, it, it, it adds some symmetry. It'll look good on a helmet, even. So. Yes, I do wonder if they will use that one on the helmet, because I'm pretty sure they haven't used the other night on a helmet before. I don't know, though. We shall see uh, as they join their Big 12 conference coming up later. So do you think all the dust has settled from all this conference re- realignment stuff, Alex? Uh, not yet. I don't think so. I think, I think it settles until Texas and Oklahoma officially make their move, and then more people will be sparked to make a move. I think... The American is going to start looking for more people at some point. Because I, I think a lot of teams are underestimating what the moves will do. So once the moves happen, they'll see the effects of it and go for more moves, probably. Yeah. So for a brief time, it's going to be bright. It's uh, going to be the calm before the eventual storm exactly. once the, the moves actually start happening. If you have lost track of things, which you uh, probably have, as as there's a lot of moving parts here, Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12 will be joining the SEC. Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston from the American Conference will be joining the Big 12. BYU, who is an FBS independent right now, will be joining the Big 12 as well. So they're adding four schools to replace the two that are leaving. Joining the American Conference will be University of Alabama, Birmingham, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, and UTSA, which is more than half of Conference USA jumping ship and joining the American Conference, uh, replacing them in Conference USA will be Liberty and New Mexico State, who are currently FBS independents, and Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State, who are going to be called up from FCS, if you can believe that. And then the remaining teams from Conference USA will be jumping over to the Sun Belt, that is Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Marshall, 
They will also be pulling in James Madison from FCS to join the Sun Belt as well. And then in the FCS, Incarnate Word is moving from the Southland to the Western Athletics Conference. Texas A&M Commerce is going from Division II to the Southland Conference. And Austin P is going from the Ohio Valley Conference to the Atlantic Sun Conference. And then Loyola Chicago is moving from the Missouri Valley Conference to the Atlantic 10. So lots going on in college football. Lots to keep track of. Definitely. I find it very peculiar that the Conference USA has basically lost every team in it and is just having to scrounge up the scraps, uh, being Liberty, New Mexico State, and two FCS schools. Yeah, it's very surprising. You're starting to see a lot of conferences consolidate teams for the last 10, 15 years. Teams, conferences like the Western Athletic Conference are gone. The Big East is gone. Uh, the CUSA seems to be next. Because, again, it was never really defined by anything. Like, in terms of divisions, right? Because right. the, the Mountain West is obviously, you know, all or in terms of where they were regionally, right? The Sun Belt, essentially, was in the hotbed that was the Southeast for football. The Mountain West is pretty much the lone conference now in the middle, like, from Wyoming down to Nevada, essentially. And then the Mid-American Conference, the MAC, is, you know, all that area of, again, lower-tier teams within essentially the hotbed that is the Big Ten, where the CUSA didn't really have anything. They were kind of spread out at random. And I think that, in part, doesn't necessarily hurt them, but it doesn't make it easy on them in terms of building interest. So they'll probably be gone in a few years anyway. Yeah, and you, uh, the Conference USA had a bit of a – is always kind of been a carousel for teams trying to make their way up in – the college football world, I mean, going back to 10 years ago, the teams that were in the Conference USA, UCF, UTEP, Eastern Carolina, not Eastern Carolina, Coast, who are the Pirates? That is, is Eastern Carolina. That is Eastern Carolina. Houston, Marshall, Memphis, Rice, SMU, Southern Miss, Tulane, Tulsa, UAB. And uh, if you count those, one, two, three, four, Five, six of those, seven of those had moved on to the American Conference. So it's almost like the stepping stone process is just repeating itself yeah. like it did 10 years ago. So the Conference USA continues to be a transitional spot for these teams as more than half the Conference USA left in the uh, 2011 through 2013 period. I mean, yeah, you've got, if, if you pull up their Wikipedia, they were invented in 1995. They've got, the first big thing in their history is a 2005 realignment, a 2013 realignment, a 2014 realignment, and then the 2020s realignment. So that's kind of been their nature for as long as anyone can remember. They're like the minor leagues. I would say that, yes. Except there's no getting sent down. That's true. We That's hope. True. I don't know. You would assume so. Vandy might, Vandy might get booted. Sometimes people can surprise you. That's the real trick, isn't it? I suppose so. And yeah, they might. You can't even fit all the teams that have been in the Conference USA on the screen at one time. Quite, quite the impressive resume. Yeah, like I've got so many for like on the former members list. It's there's so many teams that were in it for only a short amount of time. I mean, you mentioned a couple of them as well. But, yeah, it's just – and now, like, honestly, it's just as uh, current members is, like – current members is, like, excuse me, uh, like – was it, like, nine, I think? Yeah, it's, like, it, they're, they're in trouble. We'll see what they figure it out, though. Yeah, the only teams that haven't made commitments to go somewhere else that are currently in it are Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, Louisiana Tech, University of Texas El Paso, and Rice are the only ones that are not obligated somewhere else by the year 2023. And that could change. It definitely could. So, 
that's what's going on in conference realignment. It's going to be, I mean, on paper, 2025 is the year that Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, but in reality, that's going to be a lot sooner. So these dominoes will begin to fall sooner than later, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I would completely agree. And when that happens, I think, I don't know, I, it, it's interesting to me that they will be pulling up these schools from FCS to try to bolster up the roster. I, I don't know if JSU and Sam Houston State are going to be able to compete in the uh, in the FBS level consistently. I just don't know if that's I don't, is that unprecedented? Has, has that has that happened before? Wait, what? Say that again. I mean, teams usually move up to FBS on their own volition. It's not they get. It seems like they kind of got drafted. Uh, to save the Conference USA. True, and I think that's what the Sun Belt has done. The Sun Belt has a number of former FCS teams. Certainly, you could point to um, to Appalachian State as a team deserving of it, but Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina were more pulled up because the Sun Belt was missing pl- members. They had they were down to like nine at one point. Yeah. So it's not unprecedented lately. In the past, certainly is, and not to mention, I think. The gap between the FCS and the FBS has been closing for years. It's been closing since Appalachian State proved to everybody that it was. And for the last, I mean, 12 years, we've seen teams like Coastal Carolina leave the FBS and suddenly appear to be this great team. UTSA left or left the FCS nine years ago. Now look where they are. So it's it's going to be a long way to go, certainly. But uh, I think I think it's something that's certainly possible. And I think... Going in a weaker conference where you can get those easy conference wins and get that FBS money is part of it. Now, the other issue, though, is, as you've uh, pointed out before, I think we talked about this at one previous episode, was that you have to meet an attendance requirement in order to remain an FBS school. And do these teams have stadiums big enough to meet them? That's why Idaho dropped down to the FCS because they didn't meet the attendance requirement. So that's something else to keep track of. That is indeed. Um, I think these teams do pretty well for themselves, JSU and Sam Houston State are perennial contenders in the FCS playoffs. But, I assume so. But we shall see if that continues once they make the jump up to the big leagues, the big dance. And with that, we will head to a quick break. When we return, we've got the weather coming up. We've also got some more exciting sports discussion. we got Thanksgiving chat coming up. This is our final show before the uh, fall holiday. And we've got Uniform Factor coming on later in the show with some special Veterans Day and military appreciation uniforms. So keep it right here on 91.1. Lots of show to get to. We're hanging out with you till 10 a.m. We'll talk Weagle schedule. We'll talk weather. And we'll talk a whole lot more coming up on the other side of a break. So don't go anywhere. Sorry I forgot about you, Tobor. Are you kidding? You just saved me. I'm free. Welcome to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex and Davis, both halves of Weagle's number one movie podcast. Uh, I'm sure Spider-Man chat is on the docket for the next episode, as Davis has been dreaming about it, and Alex has been watching illegal Brazilian trailers, I hear. No, no, Davis has been doing that as well. Yeah. So, Jack, at this point, 
I understand that it's it's for the joke, but at that point, you seem to be genuinely struggling there for a moment. Look. I heard Spider-Man was there. Any thoughts, Alex? <laughs> None at all, actually. No thoughts at all. So, uh, Alex, you do terrible in a comedy troupe. Why is that? No, no comment. Well, Davis, you're always you're always about no comment, Davis. We're talking about Thanksgiving now, Alex. Oh Lord. Yes, and all right. We'll jump right into things. We got is the bottom of the hour. Three minutes past the bottom of the hour here in Auburn, Alabama. So let's get over to your weather report. Right now in Auburn, it is 60 degrees and sunny, high of 76. Getting warm again, folks. Low of 39, though, so it could get cold. You never know. All right, so uh, the morning temp is 67. Afternoon temp is up to 71 if you're out in the sunshine. This evening, it'll get down to 55, partly cloudy, and an overnight temp of 43 with clear skies. So very uh, broad range of temperature today, all the way up to 71 in the afternoon sun to 43 in the overnight. Oh, there's a video of an armadillo. What? Is it jumping? No, it's running around. Where is it? Uh, It's roaming new territory thanks to climate change. Oh, you know they can jump twelve feet in the air. I read one time, but it's not true. They also carry leprosy. They do carry leprosy. Seriously? Yeah. And now they're don't, showing. Don't one. And now they're showing I'm, that video of the bus obstructing the Georgia Dome implosion because there's obviously been no new news in the past three years for the Weather Channel to talk about. All right. Um, at four thirty-nine, the sun will set, so that's when it's going to start cooling off down to that overnight temp of forty-nine degrees. It is a full moon tonight, so. You might be able to, you know, even have some fun and games outside under the light of the full moon, as it will be a clear sky with a full moon tonight. So um, all the werewolves out there, I know you're excited to hear that. Exciting news. Uh, Visibility of 10 miles today. If you find yourself on top of a tall building or tree, uh, you'll be able to see many miles in any direction. Uh, Three miles per hour winds, light and variable. And moving on to your 10-day, let's jump ahead, look at the rest of November. Uh, moving forward to Thanksgiving and the Iron Bowl, where if you are sticking around in Auburn over the holiday, you'll be seeing more of the same uh, highs in the mid-60s, lows in the 40s and 30s, as it will be warm in the sun, cool in the shade. That is pretty much the theme for the entire week or so for the future. If you are sticking around next week in Auburn, it will be 67 Degrees and partly cloudy on Thanksgiving with a 24% chance of rain. On Iron Bowl Saturday will be a high of 56 and a low of 36. So partly cloudy, 24% chance of rain, winds 8 miles per hour heading northwest. So that is the forecast for Saturday. We might even have some rain the day before. So field conditions may be a bit of an issue as we uh, kick off at 2.30 on Saturday against Alabama. Intriguing. intriguing. Intriguing stuff indeed. again. It's all about the weather uh, when it comes to the Iron Bowl. All right, uh, that is going to do it for your Auburn Weather Report. We'll be back with another one at 9.30, and you can listen to Weather Report at the top of every hour here on WEGL. So with that, this has been your uh, War Eagle Weather Update. War Eagle Weather. All right, one week away from Thanksgiving here in the month of November. It is the 18th of November, 2021, just seven short days away from the biggest food day of the year. That's Thanksgiving, of course, so I figured we could discuss the uh, the lovely holiday. Not a lot of nicknames for Thanksgiving other than Turkey Day. Yeah, would you agree? Yeah, it's it's certainly one of the holidays. As, I mean, it's 
there's not really much about it, sort like you know, in terms of nicknames and anything else. It's just you know, the day you get together with the family and eat a lot of food, and that's pretty much how I would describe it. Not anything. Not there's anything wrong with that. You don't give thanks, pretty, Alex. I mean, on the occasion, I thank I thank the people who cooked the food. Mm. Yes, and then that. No, I mean, obviously, I do. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to find other names for uh, for Thanksgiving. The Great Cranberry Cotillion. What? All right, this is this is a bad list. Sounds silly. Sounds like a SpongeBob episode. Uh, so apparently Canadians ca- do call it Yanksgiving because they have a different Thanksgiving. That's pretty funny. Seriously? Yeah. Their yeah, Thanksgiving's yeah. earlier in the year, I believe. Well, yeah, because I'm about to say by November they have to stay inside because they're frozen. And, Pretty much uh, travel. The Canadian Super Bowl, also known as the Grey Cup, will be played uh, yeah. pretty soon here. Really? Uh, Love the Grey Cup. Let's see who's playing this year. The Grey Cup will be. Oh, they moved it to December. Mm. Mm. Even colder. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know about that. So it'll be the 108th uh, Grey Cup. Yeah, eat your heart out, NFL. Exactly. Got to try to catch up. Yeah, they won't. So it'll be at uh, Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, which is uh, also nicknamed the Donut Box. Pretty funny. Uh, it is outside. So if you would like to spend your December 10th outside in Canada, be my guest at Tim Hortons Field in southern Ontario. I bet the tickets will be pretty good. Pretty reasonable. Reasonable, yeah. Yeah, because everybody wants to stay inside. They're going to be frozen. Yeah, that's why it'd be reasonable. I don't know about that one now. Okay. Well. <laughs> All right, sorry. Sorry to distract from Thanksgiving chat. Did you know that colonists and Native Americans may have not had turkey at their first Thanksgiving feast at all? Shockingly... I'm not surprised. I mean, I've heard that. I mean, it's obvious. Obviously, you've also heard that that dinner didn't really happen and stuff too. Well, believe it or not, while most of us enjoy turkey as the centerpiece of our table, no one can say for sure if it was even on the menu back in 1621 at the first Thanksgiving. However, the original guests did indulge in other foods like, get this, lobster, mm. obvious, mm. obviously, yes, seal, mm. oh, and. Swan. Mm. Huh. Interesting. I yeah. don't I, I would want one of those. Which one? Swan. Which one? No. Lobster. I... Oh wow. So the uh the Wampanoag also additionally brought five deer to this celebration. So if you enjoy venison at your Thanksgiving feast, you can consider yourself fairly aligned with the original tradition of the ancient holiday. Don't tell Joe Rogan you're eating deer. What does Joe Rogan not like deer? He he's worried about a disease in deer jumping over to humans, so he doesn't eat deer. Chronic wasting disease. Like that that yeah. sounds very much like something Joe Rogan would say. That's one of his more reasonable beliefs, but even then, it's still crazy. Still a bit whack. Sounds about Joe Rogan. All right. Well, back in the day, presidents also had to declare Thanksgiving a holiday every year up until Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday during his tenure. However, Thomas Jefferson, our third president, refused to recognize the event because he believed so firmly in the separation of church and state. Since Thanksgiving involved prayer and reflection, he thought designated it as a national holiday would violate the First Amendment. He also thought it was better suited as a state holiday, not a federal one. That's interesting. interesting. Classic federalism out of old TJ. Yes, it seems so. I didn't know that. It's interesting to imagine Why did they talk about that in Hamilton? 
curious. That could be a, a, a an interesting subject. Causing trouble in history class. That's true. So, I don't know. It's interesting to think of Thanksgiving as not a holiday. Would you agree? I don't really see it as a holiday. I mean, like, obviously you get off for it and you chill out, but, like, I don't really have so many traditions that we do for it that it's a holiday to me. I about to say we do, so I, I de- our family, we definitely see it as one. I mean, even but even just the getting out of it, it's such an understood thing. You can get out of anything for Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. Nobody will ever schedule a wedding on Thanksgiving or any, you can get out of anything and just say you're going, on, going to Thanksgiving. I mean, it's an excuse to see your family and eat good food, so why not? Yeah. Fair good enough. T- good times indeed. So the all right, I think this is a, this is a, this is like a Lady Godiva story that a lot of people know. But the woman behind the song "Mary Had a Little Lamb" is also responsible for Thanksgiving's recognition as a national holiday. How does that work? Writer and editor of the song Sarah Josepha Hale convinced Abraham Lincoln to officially declare Thanksgiving a national holiday. After three decades of persistent lobbying, the author also founded the American Ladies Magazine which promoted women's issues long before suffrage. She wrote countless articles and letters advocating for Thanksgiving to help unify northern and southern states amid gathering divisions. Having kept at it even after the Civil War broke out, Lincoln actually wrote the proclamation just a week before her last letter in 1863, earning her name the mother of Thanksgiving. So guess this, yeah. Thanksgiving originally a bargaining chip to stop the Civil War. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if you had that on your Thanksgiving bingo card or what. I, I never did, no. Yeah, it's a bit of a... Uh, something something lost it lost the time. Well, moving on to present day, or at least the twentieth century, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, which of course is heavily associated with those gigantic floats that uh, get carried by people through the streets of Manhattan. Uh, the first parade in the nineteen twenties did not have any of them, if you can imagine that. It did have puppets riding the floats, as well as singers and celebrities, and of course Santa Claus. But when the Thanksgiving Parade made its debut in 1924, it did have something that might even be crazier than the Pikachu balloon you might see this year. Uh, It had animals from the Central Park Zoo moving down the streets of Manhattan instead. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. No, I'd I'd watch that. My mom always makes me watch this. She's like, oh my gosh, it's Snoopy. I'm like, I I saw this last year. I saw this every year since I've been alive. Never watched it before. Wow. It's been on, you know. I'm a little more enthused by the dog show that comes on after. But uh um, dogs are pretty cool. The thing about the parade, man, is is I I don't know if I could be one of those people that holds on to the balloon because I'd be so tempted to let it go. Well, see like, Jack, do you thankfully think the they have a bunch of people doing it, not just one Jack Hart. I doing know, it. I know. But like if a balloon got away from them, would like the Air Force have to shoot it down? <laughs> Like, where's the balloon go? I, I bet they have contingency plans. They have, they have contingency plans. They put a big net over Manhattan. The contingency that day. plan is they have multiple things holding it down, not just one person who wants to watch the world burn. I just, I just, uh, collective action, Alex. I feel like I could sway enough people to, if enough people let go, then the remaining holders would be overwhelmed by the weight? Question mark. The pull. It's I don't a, know. Another interesting conundrum. The force. Yeah, the force. Either way, it's it is force. Um, but I mean, can you imagine just like a hippo strutting down, strutting down Macy's? Now that I'd like to see. It'd be like, uh, at the, at the sugar ball when they, they had to wrangle Bevo when it attacked that bulldog. But yes, like, it but did. Like for six miles. Yeah. Try, like, trying like, to stop, did they have any of the trying carnivores? Trying to stop the hippo, hippo from strolling. biting people. In like, 1931, they had a 287 foot long dragon that was held by 29 men. And after the parade was over, they all let it go with 16,000 other balloons with... 
postcards tied to him that you could bring to Macy's for a prize if you found them. So eventually, because yeah, I, and we wonder why there's a hole in the ozone layer. That no, no. What do you mean no? I don't Is there, know. You, you denying the hole in the ozone layer, Alex? No, I'm denying that that was the cause of it. He was making a joke. I was I once know. again. The, our added, you'd be terrible in a comedy. Our attitude so would you, towards, Davis. I'm not saying I'd be good at it. I'm I just was just bringing you down with referring me. to our attitude towards the environment in the 1920s. Indeed, yeah. I guess so. The idea is you Look can let them feelings. you can let them go because they would never float off. They would eventually just like fall back down to earth, right? That's the idea. Yes. Look at Felix the cat. What the Davis? Classic. Was he the first float? Well, it was 1927. It might have been. Good deal. All right. Well, we we're gonna do some research. Oh, oh my goodness. He floated into a high tension wire and caught fire. Well. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> After a quick break, we will be continuing the Thanksgiving chat. If you have something you'd like to weigh in on Thanksgiving, whether that be the pecan pie or the dog show after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, we'd love to hear from you. So send us a tweet at CDiscAU or give us a call at 334-844-9345. The chat will continue. We're hanging out with you until 9 a.m. T- we'll still be here. Uh, we got the secret 9 a.m. song coming up at 9 a.m. in 15 minutes. We got uniform factor coming up in the second hour and lastly we've got uh just a, a great show all the way till 10 a.m so keep it right here on 91.1 wegl we'll be right back 91.1 wegl fm auburn university Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joining alongside Alex and Davis. We're talking Thanksgiving on a week out from Thanksgiving, our final show before Thanksgiving. So what better time than to discuss the uh, the Turkey Day, the, the, the great cranberry cotillion as... Uh, as we learned, it was sometimes referred to as. Yes, indeed. Um, I've right. also, yeah, before the break, we were talking about the parade. I've learned a bit more. Uh, it appears that at the first parade, Santa was enthroned on the Macy's balcony at 34th Street and crowned King of the Kitties. That's an official title, in quotes. Uh, 250,000 people attended, and Macy's decided to make it a yearly thing. The Macy's parade was enough of a success to push ragamuffin day the typical children's thanksgiving day activity from 1870 into the 1920s into obscurity ragamuffin day featured children going around and performing a primitive version of trick-or-treating a practice that by the 1920s had come to annoy most adults the public backlash against such begging in, in the 1930s at a time when most americans were themselves struggling in the midst of the great depression led to promotion of alternatives including macy's parade while ragamuffin parades that competed with Macy's would continue into the 1930s, the competition for Macy's would overwhelm the practice, and the last ragamuffin parade in New York City would take place in 1956. So yeah, uh, I say we call Thanksgiving Ragamuffin Day. I quite enjoy the concept of Ragamuffin Day. Get that photo of me, you, and Chris for the Ragamuffin Day festival. The face of Ragamuffin Day. That is that that was Ragamuffin Day for us. <laughs> Not to mention, I love I love the little detail that apparently trick or treating and stuff like it became taboo because people hated the beggars of the of the 1930s yeah, depression. People just got annoyed with children, so they said no more ragamuffin day. Here, take a quarter. I wonder how that started, man. Just I can I can I can take a deeper dive. Roaming uh, roaming collect, groups of kids were asking for candy, and yeah, instead of doing something about it, they also just apparently it ragamuffin. Apparently, day. ragamuffin is also a cat breed. So really, do tell. 
Uh, I guess I'll Google that as well. Um, well, you know, it's called the Macy's Day Parade. It's kind of really hinging on the Macy's part. Uh, has it ever been in- named anything else? Uh, um, I mean, it, they, it, yeah, the first parade in 1920s. The Ragamuffin. That's a cat, all right. The Ragamuffin yeah, show cat. Show to the camera. Not, the la- la- ladies and gentlemen, the I, I know what a cat looks like. But uh, it, Macy's closed like one is closing one-fifth of their stores this year. So what if they go out of business? What's going to become? Crypto.com? Festival Day Parade. Oh my Lord! The Caesar Sportsbook Thanksgiving Day Parade. The KFC Yum Thanksgiving Speaking Parade. Speaking of that, did you see the Superdome change names? It's not Again? Mercedes Benz. It's the Caesars. Yeah, Little Caesars. No, no, Caesars <laughs> Palace. Big Aww. Caesars. Which I didn't even know Caesars Palace was like an actual like brand. Caesar Salad is named after that dude that made it. But <laughs> Julius? No. A good a dude just seemed like. Franklin Caesar. I don't know. What I think you're name? thinking of Alfredo sauce. No, I'm I'm not. <laughs> Caesar salad is not named after Julius Caesar, believe it or not. So what I'm what I'm I'm looking at the promotional art for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, oh, that's from 2014. I was wondering why Skylanders was on it. Caesar Cardini, not Julius Caesar. Um, I've got some more ragamuffin lore if you would like. Oh well, yes. Okay. Why, so, why even ask? I just want to double check. So it all started after Abraham Lincoln officially declared Thanksgiving a holiday. That was during his presidency, and it started in, in, 19, in 1870. And Ragamuffin Day took place in Thanksgiving and typically involved children going door-to-door asking for candy or money, apparently. And these children were originally dressed in the style of the homeless of New York with rags and oversized and exaggerated imitations of beggars. With rags and muffins. <laughs> yes. In f- in future years, the children dressed as sailors. Okay, they they eventually upgraded. Yeah, they eventually started dressing as sailors. You know the natural progression of the homeless to sailor. But then the begging tradition was was superseded by ragamuffin parades, a predecessor of Thanksgiving Day parades. So essentially, uh, and as Halloween became popular after the Great Depression, ragamuffin events became less popular. However, children continued the traditions into the 1940s. And the New York Times attempt, published several articles in an attempt to end the tradition, and the children would annoy adults on Thanksgiving Day with their pleas for candy, money, and gifts. Later that year, the newspaper reported that the parades were scarce in New York City, except in its outskirts, where the subway lines ended. And, yeah, multiple organizations attempted to um, discourage it. But then there was a bit of a revitalization October 15, 1972, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. 6,000 children and a crowd of around 35,000, making it the largest ragamuffin parade in the United States ever. So yeah, um now that's a superlative I can get behind. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um yeah, so that's the that's the ragamuffin. I don't really ha- I don't really know what what to do with that information, but Well, thank you for bringing that. Yeah, uh, I, I think I want to dress like a homeless person from this Thanksgiving. I might just dress up as a sailor. Whoa. I mean, I was planning on doing that anyway, but now, ah, I have, now, now I have you have better, extra motivation. Now I have a better excuse. Yes. Davis, what have you been researching? I'm working on making something fantastic over here. Okay, well, I have terrible news to share with all of you. About the new floats that are going to be at the, the parade this year. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say the fun ones first. We got the Pokemon 25th anniversary float. Pretty excited about that one. It's going to have Pikachu and Eevee on a sled. Cute. Uh, Ronald McDonald will be in his fifth iteration. A new float. Ooh. Ada Twist. Do you know who Ada Twist is? I am... Oh, Ada Twist is from a Netflix show. Really? It's, it's from a Netflix kids show that looks like Doc McStuffins. Interesting. All right. All that to be to, to lead up to the fact that the newest float for the 2021 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will be Grogu, 
from The Mandalorian. Yes. No In the style of a Funko Pop. Boo. Boo. Yeah, oh, Funko's brother. Cheap, this guy stinks. I think you're a bit Funko yourself. So, yeah, if man, if you didn't have anything else to look forward to on Thanksgiving, now you've got the biggest thing of the year, I is think. It, is it, do we know what it looks like yet? I think I can imagine. I mean, like, I want to see just it. Google, just Google Baby Yoda Funko Pop. His name's Grogu, Alex. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they're going to ma- they're gonna I market mean, him. I mean, just imagine that big and shiny and floating, and I think you've, you've got it. Yeah, okay, it's not terrible. <laughs> At least the versions of Funko Pops that he has. I mean, to be fair to Grogu, he already kind of looks like a Funko Pop. It is. Fair. Look like. All right, I take it back. I take back my boo. He doesn't have the. I mean, Grogu, look Grogu's like. eyes already look like that. Oh, yeah. That. That. Okay. Now, see if the issue was if it was this one. Wait, hold on. It, the issue is if it was this, because that. Why would it be that? I don't. I, I don't know. That's don't not know. Grogu. That's that's Mandalorian and Grogu. I would say it's okay. It's not that bad. I I retract yeah. my boo. Grogu's like the op- ideal Funko Pop because he already looks like one. Good point. Good point. He's already got the the jet black, terrifying eyes. Grogu wedding ring for sale, forty five dollars. Mm. Th- all the people that still have the Grogu dolls still out and about, I, treating them like babies. I'm terrified to check in on those. Well, I'm just gonna say I was at Disney World last year and Grogu was everywhere. So, but they had like the light, like the lifelike Grogu dolls. They treated them like children. They dressed them well, up. Oh, they took it, them to the are park. Those, and stuff. Are those like remember those those babies that like uh. Those like dolls that like you put on their diaper and they pooped in their diaper. Mom, y'all remember those? It's yeah, but it's not. It's way worse than that. It's like oh. a fifty-year-old mom. Oh, that treats it like Take, their child. Taking Grogu to the bank to open yes. a savings account. <laughs> like they do stuff like that. Wondering what the conversion rate is for Imperial credit. <laughs> um, you know, back when I was at Disney World last, which was March of two thousand twenty, uh, before season two came out, before we knew his name. Uh, there was a lot of like bootleg Grogu merch at Disney World because you remember they they didn't release a lot of stuff on Grogu because they wanted it to be a surprise. So uh, Disney missed out, and I don't know. I know Disney does not like bootlegs, and they are have, gonna have to deal with a lot um, unless they can keep up with the demand of the crazy Grogu Gro- Gro- Grogu horde. Yeah, I, I believe Jacob Hillman is, is a part of. I would say by December 2020, with the second season coming out, yeah, it was there was a lot of Grogu mania. Literally, like most of the Star Wars stores, I'd say it was 35 percent Grogu. Ugh. All right, well, Grogu will be uh, flying high on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, so look out for that. We've got to take a quick break. When we return, uh, we will continue the show until 10 a.m. You made it halfway through, so congratulations if you have to leave us. We are sad to see you go. We thank you for choosing to spend your Thursday morning with us. We will talk to you again in a few weeks when we come back after Thanksgiving. But if you're hanging out with us until 10 a.m., you are in luck. we got the Secret 9 a.m. song coming up. we got an awesome episode of Uniform Factor coming up at 9.15 and a whole lot more. So keep it right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Plenty of great stuff coming on Weagle today. Heading over to WeagleFM.com. You can check out the schedule over on the orange box on the side of the screen. You can see what's coming up today. I know we got Moonlight Madness ending off things tonight at 7. And a lot more, including the scoreboard, the Eagles Nest, the beat drop, Birds Aren't Real, Life at 33 RPM, and Walker Green. We got the entire lineup starting at noon today. Keep it right here on Weagle 91.1. Welcome back, welcome no. back. Uh, uh, it is 9.02 a.m., which means, of course, it is time for the Secret 9 a.m. song. If you are listening to us on 
WEGLFM.com or on your terrestrial radio at 91.1. You can hear the secret song for today. If not, you got to tune in live. Sorry, I don't make the rules. Uh, the FCC does. With that, we're going to jump right into our secret 9 a.m. song for today. Davis, keep keep your voice down, but what, what, are we, what are we hearing? Don't tell anybody, but we got Family Ties with Baby Keem and K-Dot himself, Kendrick Lamar. They're cousins. Don't forget it. Hey, very fitting for Thanksgiving, right, Alex? Yes, indeed. Your mic's not on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hit it. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We got Davis, we got Alex, we got your host, Jack Hart, we got Grayson in the background. Uh, Coming to you live from the Harold Melton Student Center here on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a beautiful 62 degrees and sunny outside on this final Thursday for Thanksgiving. Speaking of Thanksgiving, we're going to get to get Thanksgiving chat in just a second. But first, we want to remind you that you can follow the station on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU on all three of those platforms. That's once again, WEGL underscore AU. All right, we'll jump right back into things. If you have a Thanksgiving opinion you'd like to share with us, you can go ahead and tweet at us at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. We've had two tweets during the show today already, so I mean, check check out the check Twitter account. Out. Check out the Twitter account if you have a visual gag. And uh, yes. we can call in at 334-844-9345 if you would like to call and tell us your favorite Thanksgiving food. Um, with that, we will jump right in. Alex, would you like to to uh, lead us off with uh, the Thanksgiving food discussion? So we're talking about what our favorite Thanksgiving foods are, and I'm just going to say this right now. I mean, no disrespect to anybody listening, anybody's family but members. I guess what but he's going to say. If your favorite thing isn't turkey, turkey you're yep, not cooking it right. It's just reality. Because the only way to cook it is to deep fry the thing, and that's what makes it the best. What? Yeah, we deep fry turkey every single year. No comment. My dad gets a little jar of some seasoning. We get a little needle, and we inject the turkey with the seasoning. We cover it in some stuff, and we deep fry for 40 minutes. It's perfection. I will not make uh, any casting dispersions. Uh, uh, oven roasted, no Oh, by bueno. the way, happy birthday to your dad yesterday. Ah, uh, yes, my dad turned 58 years young yesterday. Whoop, whoop, I forgot exciting. to text him. Yeah. <gasps> probably text him right now, should Oh, I? my goodness. You might as well go ahead. Oh. Um, turkey's pretty great, but I know it's a little divisive. So while I will say that, I'll say my favorite ones for ours is my dad always makes this really great stuffing with Kaneka sausage, and then my dad and I, my granddad, he used to make uh, this gravy with the turkey's giblets, which is the neck and, like, the, the like, kidneys or whatever. So, so you can, like, grind that up and, like, cook it in this broth with, like, celery and carrots and a bunch of seasoning. That's really, really good. So those are my favorites. That does sound good. Um, I quite enjoy the turkey. Ah. Uh, yes. I like the dark meat more, I think. Mm. Do you like the darker white? Uh, honestly, the white meat on the fried turkey is really good. And the honestly, frying it kind of pulverizes some of the dark meat, so the white meat does end up being superior. I don't know if I've ever had a, a deep fried turkey. It so. is it is an experience to be had. Think, I'll think, say that. I think we're an oven roasted family. Yeah, most people are. Most people are. It but dries it's, it out a lot though. What oven roasted? That's true. Every that's, time I've had, it, it's usually dry. My that, dad made one one time that was like COVID Thanksgiving. We didn't actually go up to where we usually go. It was like a family Thanksgiving, and we had like my dad made a turkey. It was awesome. I think last yeah last Thanksgiving. We didn't get a whole turkey because it was just the four of us. Yeah. But my dad had pieces of a turkey. That that, that was absolutely succulent. Interesting. So, Good word. I believe it was. I've never just been legs. I don't know. I would say if you, if you haven't experienced the fried turkey, I recommend trying it just at least once. It's very different. As I, it's, It doesn't taste anything like the oven. I'm not roast, adverse to it. I just, 
I know. know, yeah. It's, introduction. It's, it's just, do, do you have, like, the pulley system and the ladder and the, the big gloves and all, like, the whole apparatus to fry it? No, we just have a pot, and then we stick a hook inside the turkey, and we have another piece of hook, and we just hook it and pull it out when it's done. You gotta be very, careful not to start an oil fire. Very Alex. simple, though. There, there is an interesting thing. If you do not poke holes in the bottom of the turkey, the grease will stay inside of it, which has happened to us twice. Yum. You gotta poke holes through the bottom so the the uh, frying oil will fall out of it and not cook itself while you're trying to slice it up. Interesting. It's I, it's good. I quite enjoy the uh, the dressing as well. Yes. I feel like I could just eat that forever, mm-hmm. even though it's very bad for you. Yes, indeed. But yeah, uh, whatever. Tastes good. Uh, the way that. I've had it in the past is kind of like spread out into individual pucks on a baking sheet and cooked really thin, so you can you get one interesting you get a serving of 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 a dressing rather than kind of spooning it out. That keeps it from you know sometimes it can get kind of soggy if it's sitting in the in, in a dish too deep. So it spreads it thin and it keeps it nice and uh, nice and crisp on the outside, kind of like a hash brown. Are you talking about like dressing or stuffing? So the same thing, essentially. So yes. dressing is what you call it if you don't put it inside the turkey. This, but it's the same thing. What I've consumed, I just call it stuffing all the I way. I always do as well. What, what, has, what I've consumed has never been inside the bird. Fair, fair, fair enough. Yeah. I will say, if you guys ever play, this is a game my dad and I always play, uh, the person with the most variety of colors on the plate wins. No. It's very unfortunate because my dad and I always lose. What do you win? Uh, you just win the another ha-ha. another I'm not play. Gonna, I'm not gonna, yeah, exa- I'm not gonna feel as awful as you will because unfortunately, my dad and I we didn't have varieties of brown and white, and that's pretty much all that is on our plates. The occasional green bean. I quite enjoy a uh, a sweet potato casserole. Mm. Um, I don't like it too sweet. I do like it with pecans in it. So uh, that's that's my if I if I can get my hands on that, that is I'll, I'll consume my weight in that. Now, Davis, your family apparently makes some chicken tenders. I don't know. Not my, I mean, like, my family, but not my, it's like my extended family, like, distant cousins, because we all, like, we go with my grandparents up to this, like, church meeting hall they rent out. We don't go to church there. We just, like, meet there. It's, like, deep in the country, like, no internet. (laughs) Everybody comes and brings some food. You all sit around tables in this, like, it's like a family reunion, basically. Interesting. So it's all the... Issues with family reunions. Oh, put into Thanksgiving. Well, that sounds like an. Experience. It's not like issues. Not like people fighting. It's just like you know how family reunions are. Yeah. Like there's people. Everybody's at their own separate table. Yeah. Sometimes a little intermingling. Kind of awkward. Yeah. Kinda awkward. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. People you haven't seen in a while. I have yeah. trouble remembering a lot of people's names. You know, I've seen them so many times, and I feel bad about that. I, I definitely a lot should. of a lot of hey man's like oh hey how you doing and like I know who these people are I just. Life of me cannot remember their names. And you and just then, wait for somebody else to walk up and say, "Ah, yes, Jeff." And you're like, "That's right." My grandma's like, "Oh, go talk to my sister, so and so." And I'm like, "Yeah, hey, hey. That feels so it's bad, Nate Davis. So bad. It is what it is. Thanksgiving fast approaches, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to uh, get a." Uh, Get some food. I'm excited to eat my weight in After food. a year off, I'm excited to get back to it. You know? Yes. You know how it is? Absolutely. You know the vibes. All right. Well, uh, with that, we're going to head to a quick break. When we return, Uniform Factor will rear its ugly head, and we will have to talk about all the exciting uniforms that have been rolled out in the past week or two. We'll be talking college football, five different uniforms that some are new, some are old, but all of them are new and exciting to us. So, Military Appreciation episode of Uniform Factor, Uniform Factor's finale for now. Uh, So we'll be back in just a little bit with some more of the show. Keep it right here on 
91.1 FM. We got Birds Aren't Real, the Beat Drop, the Scoreboard, and the Eagles Nest coming on starting at noon today. So keep that dial right here on 91.1. We will be right back. All right, welcome back to the show, ladies and gents. Without further ado, we shall get right back into things. We're going to kick things off with Uniform Factor. If I can just find my big orange button. There it is. I'm going to press it. The intro will play, and then we will get right back into things. That's how it works. Let's get into it. Now, form factor is a term I learned in my occupational safety and ergonomics class. Does Powder Blue ever look bad? Ever? Absolutely yes. not. I can't name one team. That's the worst helmet I've ever seen. I mean, part of the fun of throwbacks is that we're all in on the joke that they look terrible. Bird is awful, but the jerseys themselves are sick. Dude, it's clean, man. Hey, when they rockin' these. Any thoughts on this Browns-Broncos matchup, Carter? The game itself? The uniforms. The uniforms, indeed. So we will jump right into things here. On the show, uh, if you are not watching us on YouTube, uh, you should be. Uh, WEGL 91.1 on YouTube is the place to be for the video live stream. You can also catch a replay on Eagle Eye TV if you feel so inclined. But do not fret if you are in your car or at your place of business and cannot get to a YouTube live stream at this time. The video on demand is always available for you to watch Anytime you would like on the WEGL YouTube page. We'll jump right back into things. Starting off here with the Oregon State uniforms. They will be wearing uh, coming up this upcoming weekend against Arizona State. These uniforms are a throwback to 2001 when the Oregon State Beavers were playing in the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Uh, A far cry from the current state of their program. But looking to recapture some of that magic by... uh, Wearing some pretty cool jerseys, uh, shades of the Cincinnati Bengals, I might add. But if you have not had the ability to look at these, I'll describe them for you. They are simple black jerseys. They've got uh, that beaver orange on the collar and on the shoulder cuffs. They've got simple block lettering, but everyone's favorite feature, a drop shadow, white letters with an orange drop shadow. they got the beaver script on the chest plate and... That old Beavers logo with uh, Bucky Beaver hatless looking uh, scary as ever on the helmet. These are simple, these are cool, and these are what they will be wearing against Arizona State this upcoming weekend. I love them. I like the the throwback logo because I know it looks oddly similar to the one that they currently have, but for reference, uh, for those who are maybe, if I'm on screen. You're not. Oh, we're not on screen. Okay, well, for those in the studio... Uh, here is what the current logo looks like by yeah. comparison. Uh, yes, it's the beaver. A beaver. Yes, exactly. And then right. obviously the one in the uni swag is a bit different. It's got just a little, little change. Little, I, I like the change there personally. Um, and again, can't go wrong with their color scheme, black and orange. So it all works out. I like them. And I, I've always kind of liked Oregon State's uniform combinations. They've always been kind of cool in my opinion. So this is no different. They kind of look like the throwback Bengals uniforms to me, like the older ones. Yeah, it's, I think it's that that drop shadow, and like you don't always see the Oregon State wearing wearing the black so heavily, like Boomer size and Bengals. That's, yeah, that, that's when they still had the, yeah. the striped helmet, though. I mean, I'm not talking about the helmet right now. I'm talking about the 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 jersey. That's fair. That's fair. I like them. About yeah. the game? No, the uniforms. The uniforms. Uh, the so game itself. Yeah, even the uh, the more recent black uniforms that the Beavers have been wearing have had a lot more going on. So it's nice to see a really simple look for the Beavers in uh, in this look that they'll be wearing to honor 
the 2001 team that made it all the way to the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Uh, all right. Well, that was our only uniform that was not a military appreciation uniform, so we will jump on in. It is no, uh, Military Appreciation Month in November, and uh, Arizona is leading the charge in that one with their dress white uniforms. Alex, you mentioned uniswag.com. That is indeed the place you can go if you would like to get more information about any of these uniforms that we are featuring today. Um, you can also just go to the social media pages of the respective teams. Uh, for instance, go to Arizona Football's Twitter page. They should have all the information there. But if you would like to see it all amalgamated in one place, uniswag.com is a good resource for you. All right, well, these are known as the dress white uniforms for the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, they have digital camo num- red numbers with blue piping on a white shirt with blue shoulders. Uh, you've also got the asymmetric white Arizona helmet, which I've always been a fan of. You got the white Arizona pants with the script cats on the pant leg. And you got those red digital camo numbers. You've also got the 30, 355th air wing patch on the right shoulder featuring the Arizona flag, an 18 warthog, a AC-130, and an attack helicopter. Um, so this is kind of like an air wing memorial. I and mean, then the promotional pics are taken in front of an A-10 warthog. So Pretty cool stuff here from Arizona, who has a uh, pretty pretty storied military legacy. Yeah, I really, really like these. It's unfortunate that the University of Arizona is not good at football, but at least their uniforms are pretty cool. I love the camo style on the numbers, the, uh, the patch on the right shoulder pad, the like emblems on the back of the helmets. I will say, going to the back of the helmet just makes me confused because it says bear down with the word bear in bright red, B-E-A-R, which yes. they're the Wildcats, so I'm not really sure. Bear down is their thing. It says it on their field. Which I, I don't really understand that because they are the Arizona yeah, Wildcats. Bear, bear down, Wildcats. You can't really know. expect much from a team that's won one game in two years, I guess, so that's fair. That's but the I think these, someone system. I think these are – it's not Kevin Sumlin anymore, actually. He was fired. I, I, I was confused about that as well. You – uh, so yeah, I, li- is, I like them. I like them a lot. Actually. This is uh, they wore these in their game against Utah, so these have been worn, unlike the Oregon State one. So if you'd like to see these in action, I believe that that picture of number six running with the ball is from the game against Utah from this past weekend. You can see these in action, and uh, pretty pretty clean look. I think I'm a fan of all white. You want to f- hear why it's bare down? Well, oh yes, do tell. That- so in 1926, there was a player named John Bird Salmon. Uh, wait, was, wait, 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 wait. John Bird B-Y-R-D. Salmon. His nickname was Button Salmon, yeah. Okay. And they they had like a um No, that that wasn't the player. Oh wait. Oh lord. Citation needed. Uh Citation Salmon needed. Citation needed. In early October after the Wildcat varsity team defeated the freshman squad in an animal match at the time, Salmon and several friends were returning from the visit to Phoenix and an automobile crash north of Tuscan near Florence left the young athlete critically injured. He died the next day, and on his deathbed, he told he said his last message to last message to his teammates was tell them tell them to bear down. Okay, that's good lore. I accept it. Fair enough. Is that what this bust is? That's a scary bust. Yes, that I, is the same. That is the same article I was on. Okay. At first, I thought it was just ah uh, yes, new coach comes up with slogan like going one and zero. But at least at least there's some lore for this. When one. can we get go one and zero on uh on the field in Jordan here? I think I'll pass. That cause... doesn't have as good of a ring to it. I will say, here's something funny. It's embarrassing at, to have go one and on the field if you lose. At, at the uh, <laughs> at the bottom of this Arizona Athletics website, there is an ad for 
the Pac-12 championship game. Jer- Jersey they Mike's. Will, they will not be going to because they are one and nine. I'll never forgive the University of Arizona for wasting Khalil Tate's uh, talent and ability. So as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's a it's a tough scene out in Tucson for the Wildcats. Um, but bear down indeed, and bear down with those dress white uniforms they wore against Utah. A game they lost, uh, but I don't need to tell you that. All right, with that, we will head to a quick break. When we return, the thrilling conclusion of Uniform Factor for today. We've got more military appreciation uniforms coming up, including some special Pearl Harbor uniforms being worn by the University of Hawaii. Davis has got to go see a man about a horse. He will not be joining us for the rest of the show, but he will live on in spirit as we think about him and his safe travels over the weekend and into the Thanksgiving break. With that, we will head to a quick break. When we return, Alex and I will be breaking down the remainder of these military appreciation uniforms, including uh, some samples from the University of Hawaii, University of Louisiana, Monroe, and a whole lot more surprises throughout. So don't go anywhere. Keep it right here on 91.1 WEGL-FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, as always, Jack Hardjorn, alongside Alex Houston here, coming at you live from the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University. It is a beautiful Thursday morning. Thank you for choosing to spend your Thursday morning with us. If you are just joining us, welcome into the middle of Uniform Factor. If you're just coming back, hope you're excited for the rest of the show. Uh, This is our final show before Thanksgiving break, so I hope you have a restful, relaxing, and fruitful time with your family. Watch some football, have some fun, eat some good food, and get some much-needed rest after a long semester. And with that, we will jump right back into Uniform Factor, uh, hanging out with Alex here this fine Thursday morning. Uh, If I could put the three cam on real quick. Yes, Grayson is still there in his office, keeping a watchful eye over us. And, uh... If you're just now joining us, you can watch this live on WEGL's YouTube page to see the uniforms we are talking about, a visual aid, if you will. Uh, you can also go to uniswag.com to see uh, mostly what we were talking about. I kind of use their picks to figure out what's going on in uniform news. And then, as always, if you are not able to watch the YouTube live stream right now, you can always come back and watch it later as it is available whenever you would like on the WEGL YouTube page. All right, well, we'll jump right back into things. Who's uh, next? Who's next? It will be University of Louisiana Monroe. I uh, see these. Okay, so uh, ULM wore these against Arkansas State. If you do not know, the University of Louisiana Monroe's mascot is the Warhawks. Now, if you look at their helmet, you may say, well, that's just a hawk that is used in war, but... It is also commonly construed with the P-40 Warhawk, which is an American single-engine, single-seat, all-metal fighter and ground-attack aircraft that first flew in 1938, uh, the predecessor of the P-45 Mustang you probably know about. And pretty much every image of this thing you can find on it has that scary tiger shark face painted on it. And... May I ask Jack, where did you find these? Because I can't get a look at them. So right I um, I had to do a little bit of digging. Uh, I got that one picture on the University of Louisiana Monroe fa- uh, Twitter account oh. and their athletics page. Got so, it. Um, yeah, but you can also look up a picture of a P-40 Warhawk, and all of those 
have the uh, the scary tiger face painted on the front of the plane. Uh, and what University of Louisiana Monroe has done is decided to take advantage of the scary tiger face and make that the inspiration for these uniforms. I and mean, then you can see, uh, if you can't look up a picture of a P-40 Warhawk, you can see the University of Louisiana Monroe's mascot riding out on the field on basically a cartoon golf cart version of one. Oh, these are magnificent. Yeah, so it has the scary tiger face on the helmet. It has the scary tiger face's teeth on the shoulder uh, patches. And then the whole uniform is the color of a fighter plane. Yeah, these are really cool. Wow. Okay. I had to do a little bit of digging to That's find high. these because this is a Sunbelt game. It's a little bit undercover, but I think it is well worth your time to take a look at these. So for people who may be looking, trying to look for these, of course, you can see them on there, but you want to get a more in-depth look. Uh, literally just typing in the ULM Salute to Service jerseys, and there's an ESPN Best Jerseys from Week 11, and ULM's Twitter post about it is linked in there. And, wow, these are awesome. Holy cow, these are great. So yeah. Are they – so it's it's – Dark gray, still on dark gray. With the, I like the, even the red stripes on the pants. Yeah, the maybe. red stripes as an homage to the red noses of the uh, the P40 Warhawk. Exactly. These are really cool. Yeah, the the face mask also, I imagine, fitting that as well. Definitely. These yeah, these are really cool. Okay, these are awesome. So ULM actually is a very closely tied with the military, so far as I could tell. They've had plenty of other um, military appreciation uniforms in the past. They've gone with kind of the battle gray, digi camo, stuff like that, but they've never gone so far as to change their entire look. They have worn these um, in the past, the the battle gray with the the shark teeth on the sh- on the shoulder, but they wore it with the ULM Warhawk kind of in a red, white, and blue pattern on the helmet. This is the first time they've actually worn the shark teeth helmet. So yeah, these these new, are awesome, new and exciting stuff. Not to mention. Uh, Great to talk about it today because uh, 14 years ago yesterday, they beat the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So, go Warhawks. Yeah, first-year coaches. Can't live with them, can't live without them, huh? Cannot indeed, apparently. So, yeah, these, these are really cool. I really like them a lot. That's very creative. Um, so, in the past, they've also worn – well, you know that the like the skin-tight sleeve you'd wear under your jersey? Yes. yes they've, had, they've had the Air Force roundel on that. Oh, that's cool. Particular part of the jersey. Um, I'm sure that was an option for the for the game on Saturday, but I can't really find any pictures of it. But uh, looking at the promotional pictures from the past that ULM has worn these type of uniforms, that was certainly a defining feature, I would say. So, paying homage to their military history are the University of Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, who uh, – Looking pretty good, I must say, in their military uniforms. They're pretty great. Not to mention, you know, uh, ULM with quite the, I'll say, hodgepodge coaching staff. Going to be a strange word to use. But ULM currently being coached by former uh, former Auburn head coach Terry Bowden yes. with Rich Rodriguez, the former Michigan and Arizona, we just talked about Arizona head coach, as offensive coordinator and Zach Alley as the defensive coordinator. Alley, who was previously with Clemson and then Boise State, seems to be rising through the ranks quickly. But yeah, Terry Bowden and Rich Rodriguez with the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Bowden in his first season along with Rodriguez as well. I just thought it was pretty crazy because no matter what, Terry Bowden seems to be everywhere. Indeed. He's uh, inescapable. Um, One could say, yes. So, oh, the... uh... One detail that I just saw on the ULM Twitter page that I didn't even see when I was putting this together is that the Air Force roundel is on the back of the helmet. 
Um, so that the oh yeah, I saw that the white star on the blue circle. Yes, so. I did see that. That's really cool. Well, I like the that more as well. details, the longer you look, and that's yeah. that's the great that's a great uniform. And not to mention, uh, I don't know if you saw these pictures, but like these that were on their Twitter, I think are just really cool. It really like shows yeah, how reflecting yeah, the cool. helmets are. Yeah, awesome jerseys. Good for them. Good for ULM. Uh, Air Force was actually wearing those B-52 jerseys that we talked about way back on one of the first or second episodes of Uniform Factor. They finally got a w- around to wearing those against the uh, against Navy in their the game this past weekend. The those op- are classic. The Operation Linebacker B-52 uniforms. So if you're a longtime fan of Uniform Factor, you may remember those. Pretty iconic. All right, moving on to our next uniform from the uh, – we got the United States – USS Salt Lake City uniforms that are yes. going to be worn by the University of Utah in their big game against Oregon. That's one that has huge implications for the Pac-12 championship, but they will be honoring the military while doing so. This is a uniform. It is battleship gray with black numbers, white piping all over, and black USS Salt Lake City on the uh, where, where the team name would usually be on the breastplate. It's got a arm or a star, five-pointed star with some black and kind of dazzled camouflage on the shoulder patch. It's got a basically looks like a hand-painted helmet. Reminds me a lot of uh, back when in the Army Navy game when Navy wore different uh, battleships on their helmets depending on position groups. Reminds me a lot of those. It says USS Salt Lake City on one side, and it has a basically an oil painting of the USS Salt Lake City firing a broadside on the other. Yeah, these are awesome. Oh my gosh. I, I love the helmet. The helmet is my favorite detail by far. Even from the front, it just looks very metallic, as if it is a battleship. And then it has it on the right with the name on the or the, has it on their left with the name on the right. I think these are awesome. I think it's really just creative and cool. I'm surprised they didn't do it for salute to service. I guess because they didn't have a home game, right? But I guess you know, I guess it's salute to service month. I just know last week was a big one for like people wearing them during the time. But these are awesome. What do you think about them, Jack? I really like the uh, the battle gray. Battle gray looks super cool, especially uh, you know when you're doing military appreciation. If you can do a head to toe look of one thing, I, I love when yeah. when battle gray comes out, especially when you're paying homage to a battleship that was actually painted this color. So I think they look super cool. Um, and I like how they didn't go all in on making all the the fonts, and they didn't go all in on the white like a uh, battleship uniform would usually do. They they mixed in a good a good amount of black and kept true to their Utah identity. You can still see the the interlocking U's on the pants. And I actually, a small detail I really like is the white Under Armour logos that uh, are on the pants and shirt. Yeah. They, not, re- they really pop against the battle gray. Not to mention the Utah, uh, their their logo still on the jersey in the bottom left, uh, or our right, the player's left. They've got the double U down there uh, at the, like essentially their hip level, which I think that's just, you know, a little nice detail to maintain the logo itself. But the uniform itself, awesome. And I wish they had done something more with the gloves. Like I guess it, it looks like it forms a star. I just wish that in one of the photos they did, because you know that's like what they do with gloves nowadays. They can mesh together. I wish they had done more about more of that in this promotional photo. But these are so cool. These are awesome. I also really like these promotional pictures of it out on the salt flat. Yeah, that's that's definitely yeah. I bet I mean that just fits the just awesome. I can't yeah again. I'm trying I'm trying to find more words to describe them. They're just yeah. they're just very creative and unique. And I love. Navy starting that trend of yes, put a boat on a on a helmet. Let's hand paint it. I'm glad other schools are picking up that because that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I don't know. Ex- I don't know if there's significance to the number of stars on the helmets beneath Salt Lake City, but uh, a, a jersey that makes you think. That's that's obviously points in the in the in the win column for me. I like I like dissecting the details. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's move on to the last one we're going to talk about for today. And this is a really cool one. This is a doozy. This is the University of Hawaii's Pearl Harbor Memorial uniform that they wore against San Diego State last weekend. Uh, these are also Battle Gray, Battleship Gray, um, taking a lot of uh, similarities from the University of Utah's, but they are a bit lighter. They have black numbering with no piping. They have on the uh, the shoulder the shoulder plate they have uh, the stars and stripes pattern of the United States flag in battle gray and white, and they uh, the the most striking details is that they have the date of the Pearl Harbor attack twelve seven forty one on the pants beneath the Hawaii logo and the quote from FDR the date that will live in infamy down the leg. So these are pretty neat to celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack in 1941. Absolutely. And yeah, where did you, oh yeah, the date's down there in the bottom. Yeah, you're right, just below the logo. I see that now. Yeah, these are, and then, yeah, the quote is long. I'm sorry, it took me a second to pull them up. Yeah, these are really, really unique. I wish they had done something more with the helmet. I feel like the helmet doesn't fit. It, yeah, it looks like they're, it, I think it actually is their regular It helmet. is. No, it is. It is. It, it absolutely is. I wish they had done a bit more with that because I think these are a bit, I mean, everything else is so unique. Why not put, why not get like, you know, a standard gray helmet and have the big sticker going down the top of it be the date or be the quote or so. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, right? But I think there's certainly, they could have done a lot more with that. Outside of it, I really do like everything else about it. I like putting the quote and the date down there. I think it's very creative, but I wish I just wish they could have done more with the helmet personally. Maybe yeah. that's me being a bit too nitpicky. But. They are super simple, which is what you I think what you want to hedge towards when doing a memorial uniform. Yeah, um, you don't want to go too over the top. I really like the stars and stripes pattern uh, as, as an homage to America without having to go all out on the red, white, and blue like a lot of teams do. I'm not yeah. always a fan of you know just replacing your logo with stars and stripes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. But uh, there's an interesting story that goes along with these. Um, This is a quote from Hawaii Athletics. It's a bit of a long paragraph, so just bear with me here. Quote, Inspired by the untold story of the 1941 University of Hawaii football team who went 8-1 during their season, as great as their season was, the team showed their true special character during the month of December as the team started in on their remaining games against the powerhouses of the West Coast, Williamette and San Jose State in the Shrine Bowl Classic. The day after the big win over Williamette, the events over Pearl Harbor started, and the college football players ended their weekend enrolled into the armed forces as sentries and watchmen stationed at the nearby high school. With games canceled and their minds on the safety of the islands in the United States, the team showed that they were more than just students and football players, but proud members of the country and would do anything asked of them to protect it. This strategy uniform is dedicated to that 1941 team and all of those lost in the events of Pearl Harbor 80 years ago. So, a great story of a Hawaii football team whose season was tossed asunder in favor of a greater cause. And those are what we are memorializing with these 1941 Hawaii battleship uniforms. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that with all that background is really incredible. I just, yeah. I mean, I just think they could have done a bit more with the helmets. Because I'm personally a proponent of having your helmet match your uniform. Mm-hmm. Like, for as we've heard many times already... I was not a fan of Tennessee having white helmets with their black jerseys. And this, uh, is, yes. a very, this is a very similar, it's the inverse, right? It's mm-hmm. gray jerseys with, with white helmets, or with black helmets, excuse me. So um, it is what it is. A few, a, few, a few more details before we hit a break. Um, this, is a, this, this is their normal Hawaii helmet with the, the, uh, the Rainbow Warrior H on one side and the five big islands on the other side, which I've always enjoyed, the asymmetrical helmet. 
with the shape of Hawaii on the other side. Um, and the number font is actually inspired by the same number font worn by the 1941 team. So not only is there a Pearl Harbor memorandum, there is also a uh, homage to that 8-1 Hawaii team whose season was canceled to World War II. So yep. lots of lots of details, lots to uncover, and you know that's that's some of your that's some of my favorite parts about diving into these uniforms. Absolutely, all the little details. All right, great job by Adidas on Leeds, and great job by the University of Hawaii for putting together such a special story to go along with them. With that, we will head to a quick break. When we return, we will look at the college football games coming up this weekend, what to watch, when to watch, and who to watch as. We look for another shakeup in the top 25. If the uh, college football playoff committee can figure anything out, we'll see if they uh, if they, see if they can get it together this weekend. Uh, we'll see if we have a new top four as well as uh, some of our top four teams are in jeopardy of losing once again. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 91.1 WEGL-FM, Auburn University. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Hustek, and now joined by Grayson Moyer, an exciting trio here in the booth with you for the uh, finale of Compact Discourse before we get out of here, before Thanksgiving break and we return. The show will be bigger and better than ever before. Grayson, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for all you've been doing behind the scenes uh, to improve the show. What uh, what what's on the horizon for Whoa. for our beloved talk show here on on Weagle? The big one is that we're tearing out the scary camera setup. That Yay! Was, uh, you know what? The, we should talk the history of this. That Jared Dillard, former uh, Weagle sports director and current Auburn high school teacher, yes. <laughs> um, built this system with the webcams and OBS and all that. Like he started all this, and we are finally moving past it so we're, he we're, laid this groundwork and now we are putting in like broadcast grade equipment we're jumping out of the nest jared we're, we're going to 1080p 60 it's completely unnecessary for this stream but you know that's the minimum i could find <laughs> so that's what we're doing yeah and i've been building that in my office for the past couple days before hopefully installing that this week i don't know if i'll have time but i'm, I'm looking into it so no Very more exciting no times. more scary camera no, no more scary camera no more black fourth box we can potentially have the 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 sky cam back all that i don't know i liked the papa johns in the in the uh in the empty box yesterday well, was, you can still have that there, uh, there, there we will, go there okay. will be even more of that alex don't fret i yeah. look forward to that now we can build that directly into the thing that i paid a thousand dollars for there we go there like we go it's it, it that's what it's all about very exciting times welcome indeed. to nonprofit radio <laughs> yeah baby but all yeah. right well thanksgiving is fast approaching uh so we in the in the begin earlier in the show we had some interesting discussions about all things Thanksgiving, from the parade to the dog show to sweet potatoes mm. and uh, everything in between, inclu- including uh, fried turkeys. Grayson, are you familiar with the turkey fried variety? I have never had it, Ooh. and at this point, I will not have it. <laughs> no, but um, ah. we we've had we've had turducken and stuff. Like we've oh. gone some non-traditional wow. routes, but we've never fried one. Well, I would recommend you should have it one of these days. I like it's quite an experience. I'll say that. I like the danger aspect of it. The yeah. danger? What? 
Well, see, that's the thing. We always, we would go to Thanksgiving at, like, my grandparents' house, and they were, like, they had had a house burned down before. They were closely affiliated with the fire department, so <laughs> they they sort of knew the stakes. Well, you with just gotta you got you gotta be safe. That's like, you know you gotta you gotta practice this. You have the safe. I'm practices. sure that's what everyone thinks right before they burn their house well, down. Well, we we haven't done it yet, and uh-huh. we deep fried a turkey during a tornado. So as far as I'm concerned, we're we're in the clear. I, I'm telling you, man. Every single year, it's one of the dumbest ways to burn your house down. Probably burn you as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that I, I okay. To, Your house to, is replaceable. You are not. To be to be to be quite frank, I'm going to chuckle with people that don't know what they're doing. Oh, okay. That's all. That's, All right. That's what I'm going to say. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like this is sort of like motorcycle crashes, where most of the people who crash are not beginners. They're intermediate people who overestimate their skill set, and then crash because of that. Like. Mm-hmm. That I think the same thing applies to frying turkeys. I don't know. I don't know. We we we've been pretty lucky so far. The worst thing that ever happened was a bumblebee flew into the oil, and then we had to we had to go. We, my, my granddad had to go to like the local Walmart and get some more. You you had to replace the oil because of a single bee. It was t- well. I mean, it, it kind of got pulverized, and you know, was spread amongst the. It's a bee. You know, you, you don't you swim in the ocean, you don't, don't you? you? You're not worried about what's in there. Hey, hey, hey! Look, I'm not. Same I was like seven. It wasn't my decision at the time. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I was I was a mere child. Jack, what are your fried turkey opinions? I think that you should leave it to the experts. So call Bojangles and order it ahead of time. Good idea. Correct. People with built-in fire suppression systems and insurance. And insurance. <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, a favorite side dish on Thanksgiving Day now that you're meatless? Ooh, hard choice. Hard choice. Um, it's between green bean casserole okay. and this thing that my grandma makes that she calls fireman potatoes, oh. which are like fancy name. It's like this potato casserole dish that uses like cube potatoes and it has this crunchy crust on top. She got, I, I think she got the recipe before it was called fireman's potatoes, but then she served them for the fire department that they were closely affiliated with. And they were like, bring this back every single year. It's always back to the fireman. It's it's always back to the fireman. Hey, they, they were a big deal. But yeah, no, that's like a, a classic family dish for us. So that's okay. one of my personal favorites. See, I, I, I enjoy cool. green bean casserole, but I don't have very uh, strong associations with, with Thanksgiving because we usually just eat that all the way through the winter. Right. But uh, so yeah. so the but but uh, dressing and like sweet potato casserole or yeah are 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 more Thanksgiving exclusive foods. So I'll I'll put them higher on my Thanksgiving list. We've never had sweet potato casserole at our at our Thanksgiving gatherings. It seems like a classic, but I don't know what what exactly we're doing wrong. Now. Good, Do, what, is it's your, a mid food. Does I, your, I I agree personally because I have then again I, I maybe it's, it's not one a fair step judge above baby food. I, yeah, <laughs> I had the I had like what was left over of it at, that they had at the edge, and it was not very. It was like too sugary. Like sweet potatoes yeah. are already sweet. Why do they cover another che- stuff? Cheap sweet potato casserole is like, like it, t- it tastes like candy. It's like bad pudding. It, it was awful. I'll, I'll give you that. It was I'll awful. I'll take stuffing any day of the week though. See, that's just that. That's the weird thing with us. We've always been a stuffing as just a side dish throughout the year sort of family. Yeah, but green bean casserole is is special events only. You know when your mom comes home with the the, the container cream, of the French fried of, onions, cream of mushroom soup. Oh, we had cream of mushroom around, but when the when those fried onions came out. <laughs> You know, stuff was getting serious. We, ne- ne- we never had a gre- no green bean casserole at our Thanksgiving really? dinner, actually. Yeah, have, we, have you had it? Uh, I've had it once. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like it. But maybe, right. maybe it was a bad batch. I don't know. Did, I, I, I'm, always in, I'm always encouraged to try because I know it's legendary stuff. It, I, it's, I've heard it, the lore. I, I could see it being pretty hit or miss. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, one of our things that I remember was 
uh, my aunt, she's a vegetarian, and she made an entire turkey ensemble, but it was actually out of a bunch of vegetables that then shaped into a whole turkey. That was it was it was a fascinating fascinating day indeed. Do you do you have any opinions on the sweet potato versus pumpkin pie debate? Me me or just anybody? Uh, open question. Um, I mean, I've had pumpkin pie maybe one time. I like sweet potatoes a lot more. I like sweet potatoes a lot though, so that's. I like sweet potatoes mind. probably more than pumpkins. Just in general, not that you eat a lot of pumpkin on any given day, but and I know it's more of a southern thing to eat a sweet potato pie, but I think I just I just can't get I just can't get off the pumpkin pie. I enjoy it more than a sweet potato pie. Interesting. Well, see, here's the deal. Unlike sweet potatoes, pumpkin pie isn't you know mid. It doesn't. It's not the worst dish on the table. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm very hard line on this opinion, but sweet potatoes are just disappointing potatoes, mm. and pumpkin pie is delicious. It's great. I don't know. I like sweet potatoes. They serve them at the edge all the time, and it's so good. Except when they forget to cook them. That's a very unfortunate thing when they have the consistency of an good apple. Crunch. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. Munching when, on my sweet potato. One, on of, my one of them is, is mushy cooked, and then the other one is literally just raw. And I'm like, thank you, The Edge. This is amazing. Very cool. This. Have you ever had custard pie before? Does this? I have not. I don't I mean, not speci- I mean, like a key lime pie is a custard pie, but I've never had a specifically custard right. pie. Well, that's the thing. It's like... It has sort of the consistency of key lime pie, but it doesn't have the lime flavor. Okay. So it's just like a sweet custard in a pie shell with like Ooh. a caramelized top on it. It's really, really good. I've only ever – I think it's like a northern thing. My my granddad was really fond of them, and he was from like I think New Jersey. Mm. So like, yeah, we had them around, but they are awesome, and they are hard to find down here. That looks yummy. Yeah. We've got we've got a new family coming in who – they this is the first thing we've had with them, and they're doing like a crab boil. With like potatoes and sausage, and I was, and I, I mean, I'm not complaining, you know, like I, I'm, I'm gonna eat it, but like it's certainly unique to the Thanksgiving ensemble. Yeah, I think every, every other year you should just sort of go nuts with Thanksgiving. Mm, yes. like you should just let it ride and see what happens with like bringing out a weird one. Like one time, I think we had like pork and stuff instead really? of turkey. Interesting. And it, I remembered that year; it was good. I don't remember yeah, like enough the people will context. be around that somebody will eat it. Yeah. Like you, you should go crazy with it every so often. Applies to every holiday. I concur with that. Yeah, I mean, why not? And then again, also if you find something you like, I mean, might as well stick with it for for an extended amount of time if it's that good. Yeah. Like we basically made our Thanksgiving meals like also what we have on Christmas, just because it's like it's very easy because we know how to do it and it's always consistently good. Yeah. So it all works out. In yes, the end. sir. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for the show today. Uh, but big news for all the sickos out there. Uh, there's potential for a six-way tie in the SEC West at 5-3. and three. Uh, And if that's the case, Auburn would represent the SEC West in Atlanta against the Georgia Bulldogs. So here's what you need to be rooting for out there, Auburn fans. Arkansas has to beat Alabama. Ole Miss needs to beat Vanderbilt. Auburn will have to beat South Carolina this weekend. Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl. Arkansas will have to beat Missouri. And Auburn gets a big victory in the Iron Bowl with A&M beating LSU. If that happens, there will be six teams in the SEC West with a 5-3 and three record. Auburn gets the tiebreaker, and we will be – all the way to Atlanta with that one, folks. So you know who to root for this weekend and the next as we will return after Auburn's big win in the Iron Bowl coming up the next Monday. I believe that's December 1st. So see you then. We'll talk at you much later. Uh, This will be our biggest time away from each other for a while. So until then, this has been Jack Hart, and we're going to get out of here for today. Thank you so much for listening to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WBGL 91.1 FM, however you join us today. Whether that be from your radio antenna from WeGoFM.com or by listening to our podcast, you can listen to all of our previous episodes 
as a podcast wherever you get your podcast just search for compact discourse look for that orange and blue cd logo be sure to follow us on twitter at cdiscau that's at cdiscau for links to the podcast information about the show and important updates you can also tweet at us to get your opinion on the show join the conversation and join auburn's only student-run drive time morning show you might also want to go ahead and follow WEGL on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. That's Weagle underscore AU. Our dedicated team of marketing professionals is working tirelessly to provide you with high-quality content for fans of the station. And with that, for Jack Hart, Davis Carroll, Alex Houston, Chris Tobias, and everybody else who joined us on the show this week, this has been another exciting week of Compact Discourse. We will talk at you after the holidays on Monday at 8 a.m. As always, this is Jack Hart signing off. War Eagle, go one to know, and enjoy your holidays, ladies and gentlemen. This just in, Davis Sports Animal Cruelty. <laughs> <laughs>